I'd like you to open your Bibles to Psalm 8. And I want to share a brief message with you this afternoon. And the title of it is Three Things to Consider. Three Things to Consider. And while you're going there, uh, let me just make a general statement that what we're talking about today doesn't come easily in our day and age. It's hard to consider anything because we're so busy. It's not at all an uncommon sight now to think you're talking to someone and they're actually talking to someone else. And uh, I'll be in a store, you know, looking for something and all of a sudden I think somebody's talking to me and I go, excuse me, and they're, they're on their Bluetooth talking to their wife at home. And I'm like, man... I can't even tell when people are talking to me. And sometimes, you know, you'll be talking to someone and they're there going like this. And you wonder if they're even hearing anything you're saying. And some of us spend our whole life on this thing. And we don't even have five minutes to just sit down, get quiet, and do what that word says. Consider. But it's interesting. I was going through a number of scriptures in the Bible. It's mentioned many, many times things that we are to consider. And I'm just going to pick out three important things for you and me to consider. And these are things God tells us are for our consideration. And I don't think he means just give it a passing thought. He means sit down, meditate on this, allow the importance of it to get inside of you, And let it produce whatever result or response God intends for it to bring. And this first scripture is something that we're really going to look at much more graphically next week. And it's found in Psalm 8. And we can actually read from verse 1 to 4. Psalm 8, 1 to 4. You can read with me if you want. It's up on the screen here. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. From the lips of children and infants you have ordained praise because of your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Listen to this. When I consider your heavens... The work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, the son of man that you care for him? Here's a good example of what we are to consider and what kind of a result it is to produce within us. The psalmist David said, when I consider... The heavens, the sun, the moon, and the stars that God created and set in place, it has an effect on me. It causes me to respond with a question, what is man? And that's the title of what we're going to be looking at next week. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him. You know... We think we're so big. We think we're so important. And sometimes if you don't stop and really consider these things, 
you'll actually begin to think that you are the center of the universe. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It's all about me. The sun, the moon, the stars, the planets, they all revolve around me. My family, my time, my money, my boss, everything revolves around me because after all, I'm the most important thing in all of creation. And I think if you come with an open heart next week, you're going to have a little different opinion about yourself by the time we finish. You're going to realize just how small you are and just how great God is. And I'll, I'll whet your appetite with just a few things that we're going to look at next week. Every 10 or 15 years, God enables us to develop more and more powerful telescopes so that we can go further and further out into deep space. And each time we get a more powerful telescope, we say, wow, it's bigger than we thought it was. And I'm sure that the next telescope that is developed, they'll have to update all of these numbers. But the latest estimates are, in the universe, the known universe that we can observe with our powerful telescopes, they estimate that there are about one, are you ready for this? One septillion stars. Now, that's a one with 24 zeros after it. One septillion stars. And the Bible says God has named every one of them. And he knows their number. He counts them and he names them. Now, if you want to go home today and try to think of one septillion different names, you can report back to me next Sunday before we begin and let me know how much progress you've made. They estimate that this universe consists of at least 170 billion, with a B, galaxies. We live in one galaxy called the Milky Way. And within that Milky Way, we are in a little tiny thing called a solar system. And we're just a mere 93 million miles away from, from the sun. That's, I mean, that's small stuff when you're talking about stars and astronomy and the universe. Because when you really want to talk about the sun, the moon, the stars, and all the things that God made out there, the heavens, as David says here, you need to go to a different ruler a different measuring stick. And astronomers don't use miles, they use light years. A light year is the distance that you could travel in one year if you were going at the fastest known speed in the universe, which is the speed of light, which is 186,000 miles per second. To give you some idea what that speed is, you could go around the Earth at the equator, if you had a spaceship that could travel at that speed, you could go around the Earth at the equator seven times in one second. Seven times around the Earth. Now, traveling at that speed for one year would bring you to one light year. That's just one light year. Our one little tiny galaxy, the Milky Way galaxy, 
is an average size galaxy. It's only about 100,000 light years across. So if you started at one edge of our galaxy, and again, you're in your light year, uh, speed of light spaceship, you would get to the other end of the Milky Way in 100,000 years. Not bad. But that's just one of 170 billion other galaxies. And when you look at all of those billions of galaxies, each one with hundreds of billions of stars, the known universe from one edge to the other, they are now estimating to be about 93 billion light years. 93 billion light years. So traveling at the speed of light, if you started at one end of the universe, it would take you 93 billion years to get all the way to the other edge. And you know what the Bible says? God can measure the whole thing with the breadth of his hand. <laughs> and he knows the number and the name of every one of those septillion stars. When I consider your heavens, the sun, the moon, and the stars that you have made, what is man? And the amazing thing we're going to see next week is out of all those stars and solar systems and galaxies and planets, there's one little special blue place called Earth. And it was only that one little place that God visited in the person of his own son, Jesus Christ, and he laid down his life and died for us as a sacrifice. And when you begin to consider, remember, three things we need to consider. And I would strongly recommend that we need to set aside time regularly to think about these things. Ponder these things. And the devil would like to keep us so busy running round and round and round like hamsters on one of those wheels that we never have time to consider these things. And this is an important response that God wants to hear from us. What is man? That's coming from a heart that is understanding the greatness of God, the smallness of man, and yet, how great God's affection and love for man is. That's an amazing thing. Absolutely amazing thing. And coupled with that, I want you to go to Psalm 77. And this is all the first thing we are to consider. Think about God's wonders. Think about His works. Take time to to look into and consider the wonders of God's creation. I, I love to do that. And of course, as a scientist who then became a Christian and a preacher, I love science. I love looking at bugs and birds and stars and anything that has to do with God's creation because it tells me how great He is. And the more I learn about it, the more excited I get about God. And there's just no end to His wonders. Psalm 77, verse 12. I will meditate 
on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. I will consider all your mighty deeds. And here's something else that happens to me. I don't know if it happens to you. Uh, We all get busy. And then we all get in the middle of a challenge or a trial. And then we have tunnel vision. And we forget all about all the miracles, all the wonderful things, all the answers to prayer that we've seen in all of our past with God. We forget about all that. And all we can see is the present challenge that I'm in. I have found it's very therapeutic, even when you're in the prison, when you're in the darkness, when you're in the trouble, to start remembering how faithful God has been. All the wonders, all the mighty deeds, both recorded in the Bible and things that you've witnessed in your own life. Here again, it takes time. I will meditate on all your works and consider all your mighty deeds. Also in the Psalms, Psalm 143, let's start from verse 3. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. You ever feel like that? So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. When you're going through a tough time, if you've never tried this before, just sit down and forget about the problem for a minute and start trying to remember some of the times in the past where God showed up. God answered a prayer. God healed you. God did something in your life. And like Nigel was sharing in his testimony, we've all been in those situations. But now that he's had that experience, hopefully the next time he's in one of those, the Holy Spirit will remind him, Ah, remember what happened that morning with the paycheck? Okay, Lord, I can trust you. I can wait on you. You're faithful. And as we meditate, as we consider the things that God has done, I'll tell you, uh, one thing becomes more and more clear to you. There's just nothing too hard for the Lord. And when you look at His creation, when you look at what God made, it is so unbelievably amazing. There's just no way there's anything too hard for the Lord. I mean, only God can take a bird and make it swim like a fish. And only God can make some fish fly like birds. Did you know there are flying fish? Oh yeah. And he's got some furry mammals that live in Australia called the duckbill platypus that looks like somebody pulled the bill off a duck and stuck it on the front of a beaver and they lay eggs. Furry, beaver-like creature with a duck bill that lays eggs. God can do whatever he wants. And he's got fish that look like horses. Anybody ever seen a seahorse? He can do anything he wants. And I am quite convinced that in the six days of creation, God just wanted to show off. He made stuff that we haven't even found yet. 
He made so many amazing things out there that we're just beginning to discover these things. And as we have more powerful telescopes, then we get to see a little bit more of what God made. And some of the pictures that have come back from deep space, absolutely amazing. Some of the shapes, colors, sizes of these things. You know, the heavens are declaring the glory of God. And we need to take time to consider what God has done. Consider the works of His hands. You know, in the very depths of the ocean, where it is so deep that there's no light at all, it is pitch dark. There is no light at all at those depths in the ocean. Did you know there are certain fish that God created with every color of the rainbow? Now, you have to stop and think about that for a minute. Who's going to see them? Who's going to see those colors? There's only two people that could possibly be enjoying those colors. God and us. And He's given us the wisdom, little by little, to develop certain kinds of craft that'll take us down to the depths to be able to turn on lights and see those beautiful colors. Otherwise, they're just swimming around in the dark. Pink and yellow and green and blue and stripes and spots and everything. And none of the fish can see it. They can't even see their own colors because it's all dark. But you know what the Bible says? God made it all for His own pleasure. And He did it all to display His greatness, His power, His wisdom. And like I said, I just think God likes to show off. He just likes to show off. And there's no limit to what God can do. There's no limit to His wisdom. It's inexhaustible. Absolutely inexhaustible. And I think Nigel made reference to this scripture in Luke chapter 12, coupled with all of this, considering the heavens, considering the creation, considering all the things that God has made, there were two specific things that Jesus told us to consider. You remember them? Luke 12... 24 and 27. Luke 12, 24. Consider the what? The ravens? Now that's not the Baltimore ravens. Sorry. Any fans here? It's that big old ugly black bird we call a crow. Consider those crows. They do not sow. They do not reap. They have no storeroom. They have no barn. Yet, yet, so if we take time considering the crow, what's the message we're going to get? God is going to take care of me. You know, it's amazing the faith that animals have. Can you imagine making it through this winter that we've just been through with no house, no coat, no food in the cupboard? How are you going to live? They don't worry. And you know what? The birds seem to do just fine. I have a little goldfish pond in my, in my backyard. By the way, brother, the ice finally thawed after three solid months. It was like an iceberg on top of there. And I, I really feared this year that mm, maybe the fish didn't make it because they haven't even seen the light of day since December. But you know what? All the ice thawed. Every single one of them is alive. They're all swimming around in there, 
happy today. I don't know how God takes care of them. And they don't worry like we do. Can you imagine as falls rolling around, those goldfish are like, boy, I'm getting worried. It's going to be cold this winter, and what are we going to eat? We don't have any job. We don't have any money in the bank. We can't even get to Costco. How are we going to make it through the winter? Consider the ravens. Consider the animals. How God feeds them. And here comes how much more what? Valuable are you than birds? Consider. Consider the ravens. And then in verse 27, consider how the lilies grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. It's a miracle. God takes care of the flowers. God takes care of the birds. And sometimes when we get worried and stressed about life and bills and paychecks and jobs and all this stuff, maybe, just maybe, we ought to sit down and consider a few things. Consider how God feeds the ravens. Consider how God clothes even the plants and the flowers of the field. How much more can He take care of us? Alright, on to our second thing to consider. Mark chapter 4, verse 24. Jesus had just finished giving the parable of the sower. And we're not going to study that today, but I think you all remember that. How a farmer went about sowing seed. Some fell by the wayside, birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky soil, it sprang up real quickly, but then it withered. Some fell among thorns, and it got choked out by the thorns. And some fell on good ground, and it produced fruit. And he compares it to four different types of people and their responses to the Word of God. And he himself said it was the most important of all the parables he ever gave. Because if you don't understand that one, you can't understand any of the other parables. Because that parable talks about something very, very important. And I want you to hear me today. How we respond to the Word of God determines our whole destiny. I'm going to let that sink in for a minute. It's not, well, I was born in a bad neighborhood, or you don't know what kind of parents I had, or you don't know where I went to school, or I don't care about all that. I'm not saying none of those things are, aren't important. But after all is said and done, what determines your destiny is not where you were born, whether you were poor or rich, or who your parents were, or where you went to school, or anything. It's how you respond to the Word of God. And I guarantee you, every one of us fits into one of these four categories. We're either the ones that hear the word and it goes in one ear and out the other. And even while we're hearing the word, we're so distracted, we're thinking about what we're going to eat when we get home from church, what we're going to do this afternoon, and we can't even process what God is saying. And we laugh, but it's very important. We need to train ourselves to do what Jesus says here. Consider carefully what you hear. Consider carefully what you hear. Because three of these four groups of people didn't really produce fruit. 
They all heard the same word. They all heard the same Bible. They heard the same gospel. But it didn't produce the desired results in three-fourths of the groups. The second group, they sprang up with joy real fast, but they didn't have any roots. They were shallow Christians. They got all emotional. Oh boy, this is great being a Christian. Until a trial or a challenge came. They said, well, I didn't know this was going to happen. I'm done with this Christianity stuff. And then the third group got choked with thorns. Jesus said it's the cares of this life. Anybody in here beside me have cares? Yeah, we got them. But don't let them choke you. Don't let them wrap around you like a vine and choke out the Word of God. The fourth group is where we want to be. They hear, they consider, and they do everything that God speaks to them. And that's why this word here is so important. This is how Jesus sort of ties it all together. Consider carefully. Now, can you do something carefully in five seconds? What does it take? Takes time. Takes time. And you say, but I don't have that, Pastor. I don't have time. Well, you know what? If it's important, you make it. If it's important, you make time for what's important. Somehow, I find time to eat. Do I have any friends? I find time usually to sleep. But, oh, I don't have time to pray. I don't have time to read my Bible. I don't have time to do this stuff you're talking about. Sit down and consider things. Don't have time for that. Make it. Make it. We need to give careful thought and consideration to these things. Otherwise, God wouldn't have mentioned them to us in His Word. Number one, consider His heavens. Consider the work of His hands. Consider the creation. Consider how God takes care of the plants and the animals and this incredible septillion stars all floating around out in in space. They never collide. Every one of them is in a set course. Everyone has a certain path and God keeps every one of them in their perfect place and He knows every one of them by name. Do you think He doesn't know your name? (laughs) And if He takes care of a raven, will He not take care of you? But we need to consider that. Now, Thirdly, and here's where I'm going to end, in Hebrews chapter 12, now I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but mine would be up. How many of you in your walk with Christ, maybe it's been a long time, maybe it's been a short time, but how many of you in your walk with Christ have already come to some tough places in the road, some discouragements, some disappointments where you were ready to throw in the towel and say, I quit. If you haven't been there yet, I hope you never get there, but you might. And the temptation is often very great to say, you know what, this, this is too hard. You know, I got people against me at work. People in my family are against me. I don't know if I can keep going on on this path. It, it's just too hard, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And here's the answer to that. And there isn't a second answer. This is the only answer. Hebrews chapter 12, I want to read from verse 1 to 4. Therefore, 
Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, he just finished in Hebrews 11, the previous chapter, talking about all the heroes of faith, Abraham, Noah, Moses, etc. Since we're surrounded by that group of heroes of faith, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Okay? Christian life is like a race. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, pay close attention to the next verse. What's the first word there? Sorry? What is it? Can't hear you. Consider. Ah. Three things to consider. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood. Now go back to verse 3. Seems to suggest and even anticipate that at some point in this race, you and I are going to feel weary and we might even lose heart. And knowing that, the writer of Hebrews has already given us the solution. When you're tempted to grow weary, when you're tempted to throw in the towel, when you're tempted to lose heart, just remember Jesus. Or more specifically, consider Him. And again, I think that means a careful, thoughtful process in our minds. And you have to take a, a number of things into account when you're considering Him. And we're going to try to do this next week when we take it from the stars and the galaxies and the heavens to the cross. And the one who set all of those stars in place, the one who made all of those vast heavens, the, the creator of heaven and earth, that same God became one of us and he went to the cross. And it's talking about such an opposition from sinful men against whom? Against the Creator. This was no sinful man going to the cross. This was God Almighty in the flesh come to redeem man. And it, it, it has to blow our minds if we're correctly considering this. What is really going on at the cross? What is really happening here? God became one of us so that we could beat Him, we could nail Him to a cross, we could curse Him and yell, crucify Him, crucify Him. That's what happened. And when you do exactly what this verse says, consider Him who went through all of that. You know what? My problem really isn't that big. <laughs> I think I can get through what I got to get through. If he went through that for me, surely I can get through my little trouble here and 
as the next verse points out, in our struggle, we've not yet resisted under the shedding of blood. He did. He shed blood in his race to complete the Father's purpose, the Father's plan, which was to redeem you and me. Wow. Consider him. Consider. And if you can go back to verse 2 for just a moment. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured what? The joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. You know, I was, I was up late last night, and I was really doing what I'm preaching to you about today. I was just sitting before the Lord considering some of these things. And I found it just overwhelmed me. It was just absolutely overwhelmed me. I couldn't, I just couldn't even take it in. It, it was so beyond my ability to grasp that this great God who made, I don't know, a septillion stars, whatever that means, we can't even comprehend these numbers. Uh, a universe that's trillions times trillions times trillions of miles across. We can't comprehend these distances and these sizes, and yet God says all the nations are like a drop in the bucket to Him. And He sits on His throne looking down at the earth, and the Bible says people look like grasshoppers. <laughs> that's what it says in Isaiah. Now, that doesn't mean you're a grasshopper. But it's just showing how small we are. What is man that you are so mindful of him? And as you look out across this vast universe, there's one little tiny dot in there somewhere called earth. And that's where you and I are. And that's where God's heart is. Isn't that incredible? And some... Atheists and evolutionists, they'll say, well, why are there so many other stars and planets out there? There must be life out there. I can save them a lot of time and money trying to find extraterrestrials on Mars or in some other galaxy. They're not there. Because the Bible says God made the earth to be inhabited. And he didn't send Jesus to die on a cross in Mars. He sent Jesus to earth and he became one of us. And there is no other place in this universe like planet earth. And this is the place where God literally came to demonstrate his love to you and to me. And yes, I feel very small when I look up at the heavens and I think about all these things. But you know what? I also feel very important. And as we just heard a few minutes ago, how much more valuable are you than a crow or a lily or a star? It's not to say those things aren't important. God made them to display his glory. But we are the only ones made in his image and likeness. Let's pray. Lord, when we look out at the starlit sky, we contemplate the vastness of the universe. We, we can't even comprehend 
these numbers, these distances, the amount of power, the amount of energy, the amount of matter. We, we can't even take it all in, O oh God, the, the greatness of your power and your wisdom. And as we look around the earth, we see such amazing displays of your design, your wisdom in the plants, in the animals, and most of all, in man, who you made in your own image and likeness. You're a great God. You're an awesome God. It's beyond our ability to take it all in. And yet, Lord, we humble ourselves and we fall down before you and we worship you. And we do declare, what is man that you are mindful of him? Who are we that out of all of this vast creation, you should visit us here on planet earth in the person of your son, Jesus Christ, going all the way to the cruel cross, not for sins that you committed, but for ours. Bearing in your body the punishment for all of our wickedness and lies and arrogance and pride and disobedience. And Lord, help us to consider these things. Help us to consider the greatness of the works of your hands. Help us to consider the, the importance of of your every word spoken to us, every word recorded for us in the Bible. Help us to carefully consider the things that we hear. And most importantly, help us to regularly stop and consider Jesus. Consider what He has done for us. That we may receive the full benefits of that salvation and humbly walk and live out that salvation all of the days of our lives. God bless this word now to our hearts. Seal it up inside. And Lord, long after we've left this place, bring it back to our remembrance that we may not be hearers only, but make us doers of your word. And we'll thank you and praise you eternally in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen.